Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're so glad you found us and we sure hope that you'll feel free to share these reflections with people you know and love. Let's now take a moment to prepare our hearts and minds to listen to God's Spirit. Let us pray. By your grace, O oh Lord, we pray that you will allow these moments together to be a space where we attend to your spirit and hear your voice, that we may understand more what you wish for our lives and that we may live out the good news of your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Our scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Not an unfamiliar text, I suspect, to most of you. The Apostle Paul writes and says, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Early in my ministry, it used to be that the only time I read these verses from the Apostle Paul was at a wedding. It was and still is, to some degree, the go-to passage from the Bible to read at a wedding. And why not? Paul's reflection on the gift of love is poetic, deep, and greatly aspirational. And it all sounds good at a wedding as two people stand together, young in love, and looking ahead at the primrose path before them. I mean, who wouldn't vote for love at a moment like that? But as the years have gone on, I find myself more and more reading this passage, not at weddings, but at funerals or memorial services. And the reason being that at the end of life, it seems, when we are doing an inventory of all that is important in life, love seems to be the one thing that ends up at the top of the list. Who did you love and how did you love them? Paul raises the ante on love in these beautiful verses and goes as far as to say that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And it suggests 
this sobering fact about love, and that is that we, we really don't know the real nature of love until we get to the end. A young couple thinks they're in love, but they don't really know it's love until they've gotten to the end of the road. And, and I think that's true with all of our relationships, family, friends, brothers, sisters, people, fellow followers of Jesus Christ, neighbors. We, we don't know what the nature of our love is for these people until we have been tested and tried with them. And it brings to mind a story I heard about two professional basketball players named Jack Twyman and Maurice Stokes. Uh, some of you probably remember these two. They, they played back in the 50s and 60s, both young men, high school friends from Pittsburgh, and one, to play, one went to play for the University of Cincinnati and the other went to play for St. Francis. Both of them were drafted to play for the Rochester Royals, which later became the Cincinnati Royals. And both men, one white, one black, were premier players leading the league in many categories. But three years into it, Maurice Stokes took a bad fall on his head and three days later collapsed into the arms of his friend Jack Twyman and slipped into a coma, the victim of post-traumatic encephalopathy, which rendered him a paraplegic for life. Well, back then, professional basketball didn't have medical insurance, certainly didn't have disability insurance, and so Maurice Stokes was left alone to fend for his own treatment. Well, that's not entirely true because he had Jack Twyman, and Jack Twyman was his friend, and Jack was not going to let Maurice go. So Jack Twyman visited Maurice every day that he possibly could and invited Maurice over to his house every Sunday afternoon for dinner, made sure that Maurice had the best medical care. He organized an exhibition basketball game of all the finest players in the league to come together and raise money for the care of his friend, Maurice Stokes. And they all came, the community of players, they all came. Will Chamberlain, in fact, flew overnight from Paris just to be at one of those exhibition games. And they came together every year for Maurice Stokes because, because that's what life's about. And they raised money and they made sure that his medical needs were taken care of for the rest of his life. A dozen years later, when finally Maurice suffered a heart attack and died, even then though, Jack Twyman wasn't done with his friend because Jack Twyman knew that between the two of them, the better player was actually Maurice. And so it wasn't enough for Jack himself to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which he did in 1982. He was going to make sure that his best friend got into the Hall of Fame too. So for 20 years, he petitioned the league to consider the three-year career of his friend as a sufficient enough time to be a candidate for the Hall of Fame. And he wore them down with his insistence and wore down the league and they let him in. And in 2004, they elected Maurice Stokes into the Hall of Fame and his best buddy, Jack Twyman, got to receive the honor in his friend's name. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. In his masterful biography of Harry Truman, David McCullough relays the story of an episode that took place years after the end of Truman's presidency when he and his wife Bess were back in Independence, Missouri. It was a story recounted by the local Presbyterian pastor, Thomas Melton. Reverend Melton told of a cold February day in Independence, wind blowing, snow falling, and had been given the task of burying a former resident of Independence who had moved away, no doubt to Florida, and died. 
the body had been shipped north and a notice had been placed in the paper and as sometimes happens when the pastor and the funeral director arrive at the graveside, nobody was actually there, no one around to pay last respects. And since there had been a notice in the paper, the pastor insisted on waiting until the appointed hour and just before they were set to begin, almost amidst the wind and the cold and the snow, they noticed a car pull into the cemetery and drive up the hill and they waited and the car came to a stop at the graveside and out stepped, you guessed it, Harry Truman, 33rd President of the United States. Truman stood at the graveside while in the biting Missouri cold, the pastor performed the committal service. And after the service was over, Reverend Melton went to the former president and said, Mr. President, why are you here? It's cold and bitter. Did you know this gentleman? To which Truman replied, Pastor, I try never to forget a friend. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul can write these words because Paul had come to know the love of God that was found in Christ Jesus. Paul saw the love of God, particularly in what God chose to do in Christ on the cross. God loves us to the end, even if the end means his own sacrifice. On the cross, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. C.S. Lewis, in his great book, The Four Loves, talks about agape love, the divine sacrificial love, and when talking about God's love for us, imagines that when God created the universe, he already knew what was going to happen. He already knew about Calvary. He already knew what it would mean to create creatures, creatures that he would love. Lewis says, God creates the universe already foreseeing, or should we say seeing, the buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the mesial nerves, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up. Herein is love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. In other words, if you want to understand what love is, look at the cross and see the cost of love never ending. Today, there may be someone in your life who's challenging the limits of your love, pushing you to the edge. I don't know the particular answer to whatever situation or person comes to your mind, but it would never hurt for us to read maybe every day Paul's great chapter of love and to wonder what love might look like, what diagram we might draw. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you first loved us and you showed us what that love means. And so we pray, O oh God, that we may, in the spirit of this great chapter, discover how we might love our brothers and sisters with a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, a love that would never end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.